0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors On staff here. I'm excited to bring the first word in 2020. How awesome is that? What a privilege. So grateful to be up here. And we're going to be doing a new series called Soul Hungry. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so hungry. No, for real, I'm, 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 I'm hungry right now. I'm kind of distracted to pray for me, but. Hey, we're going to have a great time. Hey, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 today. So go ahead and turn your Bibles, open up your app. If you don't have one, that's cool. We're going to have it on the screen. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Any of you guys know about the five love languages? Anybody? It's great for marriage. It's good for yourself personally. It's just good. And it is a small book that tells you there's five love languages. There is uh, gifts of affirmation. Um, I said word of knowledge. Like that's not spiritual gifts. Like where are my mind? I'm hungry. Help me. Um, affirmation gifts. <laughs> Help me out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, I remember my love. Like it was just not yours. That's what's in my head right now. So for me, my wife knows this. My beautiful wife right here, Lauren. If you guys don't know her. She's been blessed to be married to me for almost eight years. That's not what you say if you want to keep going. Um, and so, but my love languages are uh, affirmation and, and acts of service. So basically, tell me how awesome I am. Get some things done for me. I'm good. I'm solid. Thank you, baby. That's, this is great. But I just believe after this holidays, Christmas, all this stuff, I've, and this is my personal opinion, but I think we should add a sixth love language. The love language of gift cards. Now, I know we have gifts, but there's something about a gift card, right? It's, just, it's perfect almost. At least it feels perfect. Like, I can take this money. I can do anything with it. Possibilities. I mean, that's grateful. Man, years ago, a couple gave us a gift card to Fleming's in Walnut Creek. And we've never been there before. It's an incredible restaurant. So we're pumped. We're excited. Laura makes funny about this, but it's true. I cannot hold a gift card longer than a day. It could be 50 cents, it could be 500 bucks, it's gone. I just feel like it's poor stewardship if I don't use that bad boy like that, right? It's all for Jesus, babe. So um, I so got to Fleming's, and I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to go, right? I'm nerdy now. I went on the restaurant's menu the night before. I'm like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I mean, there's going to be zero cents left on this bad boy. Not going to overspend, but I'm definitely not going to underspend the night. So we get there right. We got our appetizer, but that's this great question. Hey, sir, would you like a thing of bread? I'm oh, like, I would love a thing of bread for free. Bring that out, right? And they, they, they were. I mean, they had some a, a great waiter to there. Sir, I, I can see that you're finished. Would you like some more? Yes, sir, I would, right? So give them. a, We had some calamari for appetizers. Sir, would you like some more bread? Yeah, let's go. It's free, right? Why not? Let's do this, right? Finally, the meal comes out. I'm like, I don't know. There's got to be room here, right? It literally feels like there's nine, I'm like 90% bread. I know it's not true, but it feels that way, right? And I got to tell you, I love the entree. I don't remember what it was now, but I probably would have loved it more if I wasn't so full on um, bread. Can anyone relate to that? I know I'm not the only person. And this, and this is kind of an off story, but what happened later that night is I actually went to our friend's Got in the hot tub. I mean, it was awesome. It was so awesome that I actually uh, passed out and fell into the hot tub. It was that awesome, right? Lauren had to get me out of there. And there was supposed to be some type of body, not bodyguard, but someone supposed to be washing the pool. And he didn't come out until 10 minutes after, right? I fell in there. So, babe, if it wasn't for you, I could have been a stat that night. Um, But he's like, hey, were you drinking? I'm like, no, but I, I sure did eat a lot, right? It was a crazy night. But we we know what it's like. We know what it's like to be full, too full on food. Why do you tell me that story? This is why I'm telling you this story. Because there, there's a big difference between being full and being satisfied. Man, I would have loved that entree if I didn't have so much bread inside. I mean, it was good, but I was still like, I know I was made for more in that moment. I know that gift card, I would have loved to have that entree, but I was just so full on bread. And we know that not just physically and even externally, but there are things in our lives that we feel so full on, but we're just not satisfied. We're not satisfied. We've all been there, right? Where it's like, man, if I could just work harder, if I just perform better at my job, if I just get that promotion, then I'm going to feel more satisfied. But guess what? You got the promotion. Now you hate your job even more. You're close to your boss that you don't like. You're doing tasks that you never want to do. You're not satisfied. You're just more full. Someone's like, man, I want, to, I, I need that relationship. I just get that relationship. I'm going to be full and satisfied. Hey, you got that relationship. Now you're praying, God, get me out of that relationship. <laughs> I ain't even full. I'm scared. Like, I got to get out of here. So we know that, and, and even like with our culture, Or preach the gospel where more is better. That faster means you're going to be fuller, a.k.a. Amazon Prime. And listen, I'm a Prime member. I love being a Prime member. You know, we've gone from two-day shipping to one-day shipping now to some cities, one-hour shipping. Man, Amazon may not lead you to satisfaction, but it will lead you to debt real quick. But there's this idea that, man... If I get it faster, if I just get this thing, if I, but it, but we can just see from our culture and even ourselves right now. I bet for most of us in this room, as I'm saying this, things are just popping up. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, if I just, ugh. and I'm right there with you. You know, I think sometimes that, you know, we 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 focus on how hungry we are. I'm so hungry, but we forget that we're so hungry. So I love what this says about definition of for an appetite. Appetite is the natural desire to satisfy a bodily need. Simple enough, right? An appetite is a natural desire to satisfy a bodily need. See, there's nothing wrong with having an appetite. I think sometimes it's like, man, like, I want this so bad. What's wrong with me? Sometimes it's even, man, God, if you put these desires in me, how come I can't have this? But on the flip side, I've been thinking of it this way. How cruel would God be if he put those desires in your heart, but he didn't want to fill it himself? I think think what happens is that we are so hungry, but we forget that we're soul hungry, that we're more than just a body, but we're a body, soul, and spirit. But I think sometimes our hunger can lead us to the external. Our hunger can lead us to things that are just physical, Our hunger can lead us to things that are temporary. But God wants to not just fill you temporarily, but he wants to fill you with the eternal. He wants to fill your soul. I love what the Psalms say. I think it's in Psalm 4. It's read read in the one-year Bible. That to those who have peace with him, God gives rest. How many of you know that God doesn't just want to give you physical rest this year? He wants to give you spiritual rest. He wants to give you emotional rest. He wants to give you mental rest for your anxiety, your pain, depression. God wants to give you that, but he wants to give it to you in the right way. Your appetite, there's nothing wrong with your appetite, but it's how you get it fed. I'm willing to say that we have obsessed over the solution to our appetite, but we have forgotten the source to our appetite. In other words, that we could become so focused on how we feel, feel, feel this desire and need. But we often ask the question, where is it coming from? What's, 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 what's underneath the layers right now? And we just see so clearly in scripture that God has put the desire inside of us. But he also wants to fulfill that desire inside of us. I love this. In Acts 17, this is when Paul was preaching uh, to a secular environment. This is what he says. He is the God who has made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He's not into the temporary. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. The passage continues that it's almost like God put this desire inside of us that humans would feel their way, grope their way to Jesus. I love Ecclesiastes says this. He has planted eternity in the human heart. There's just something inside. that says, gosh, there has to be more. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're just trying to figure this out. I think we're all trying to figure this out in some fashion or or another. But there's just something inside of us that says there's got to be more. And there is. And I love what C.S. Lewis has to say. That if there's a desire inside of me that this world can't fulfill, one, one might consider that I wasn't made for this world. I want to propose to you today, not just today, before our series of Soul Hungry, what if your cravings were actually meant to lead you to your creator? What if your cravings were so much more than just about the solution to it, the fulfillment of it, but what if it was meant to, be, uh, to lead you to a person, to a God who's fashioned you, who's formed you, and he doesn't want to rob your appetite, but he wants you to find rest in him and him alone. So we're going to talk today, guys, of how we actually see that appetite get changed in our life. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. This is a pivotal part of Scripture Where Jesus' ministry has just started, and now he's going to go into what's called the wilderness. The wilderness in Scripture is typically a place of barrenness. It's a place of confusion. It's a place of silence. But let's read uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. This is a great um, reason right now why we have to read the Scripture, but read it slowly. Like, look at this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, to be tempted there by the devil. It's almost like it's almost like, parents, hey, to your toddler, hey, go across the street. See you over there?" It's like, no. That's, that's, that's beyond dumb. Don't do that right? So it's like, why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? Not just but to be tempted there by the devil? See, as we go into 2020, as we are in 2020, we have goals, we have resolutions. But if we're not careful, we can have our our minds so focused on opportunities that we forget about obedience. Because sometimes what seems like horrible is actually beautiful because it's an opportunity by Jesus. And if we just focus on what feels good, what feels right in the moment, I'm not saying every opportunity is not obedient, but it has to be the Holy Spirit leading you. So a big reason, some of our 2019s weren't the year that we wanted them to be. is because we thought it was an opportunity, but it wasn't a God moment. It could have been a relationship. It could have been a job. And God, God's going to redeem that in 2020. But we want to go into 2020, not just looking for opportunities, but God, I want to be obedient. And if your spirit's leading me there, I don't care what devil's there because you're, you're with me. So Continue. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, and he became very hungry. That's an understatement. My goodness. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I think often what we can miss in Scripture, especially in the Gospels, is that Jesus, he's fully God, right? And so when we see him walking on water, when we see him healing people and just doing crazy supernatural things, well, it's Jesus. He's fully God. But remember, he wasn't just fully God. He's also fully man, which means he had emotions. He had desires. Jesus had an appetite as well. And so he's in this place. And it, I mean, gosh, when I don't eat lunch at 12, when I eat at 2 that day, I feel less Christian. I'm saved and my attitude isn't saved, right? But Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights. My goodness. I mean, just talk about not just the physical toll, but the, the, the emotional, the mental. I mean, there's just so much happening in, in that moment. And so I think the part that's just so, so easy to miss is that where the devil says, if you are the son of God. Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So he's being tempted. And I think the obvious temptation is, well, he's hungry. He's God. Turn those stones into bread. But I believe the temptation is, I think, a little deeper than that. And we're going to understand that temptation. We have to go back to the Old Testament. See, God's people were enslaved to Egypt. Moses led them out of Egypt. And they were meant to go to the promised land. But they had to go through a wilderness, and so it was only meant to be a couple days journey, but the couple days turned out to be 40 years. Wow. Because in their own mind, they became self-reliant, dependent on themselves. Jesus said, hey, this bread's going to rain down for a day, but don't hold it for yourself because it's going to rot the next day. They kept it. It rotted. There wasn't trust at all. Moments of trust, but not trust long-standing trust. So Jesus, he's in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. They were there for 40 years. He's in there for 40 days. It is not a coincidence at all. And so why is the devil tempting Jesus to turn stones into bread? I don't believe just because he's hungry, but the real question is, are you going to rely on yourself, Jesus, or are you going to depend on your Father for your bread? So when it comes to our appetites, if you're taking notes, you can drop this down. Is that are you going to become self-sufficient with your desires or are you going to be depending on Jesus? Our needs will either be met by ourselves or by the Lord. And a lot of times why we're so hungry is because often we try to take life in our own hands. Where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to put this all in myself, and I'm going to hope it satisfies me. Where the Lord says, no, I have a plan for you. I have a desire for you. I have everything for you, but it's got to be not your way, but my will. Now, if we're thinking people, which you all are in this room, it's like, man, like, I, I get it. It sounds great. Like, I want to depend on Jesus, but I've been in the desert for a long time. And I'm hungry. Like, I, I, need some, I, I need something right now. Like, what do I do with that? And, it, it actually reminded me of a, of a story uh, about six years ago. So this is, Laura and I have been married for, for a couple years. And um, when I say we started a health journey, she started the health journey uh, for us. And, and, you know, it was, 20, it was uh, beginning of the year, resolutions, goals. Let's lose weight. I'm like, okay, let's try. And bless her heart, I'm, I'm just, gosh, I'm just picky when it comes to, I'm, I'm, I'm super picky. It's just, it's frustrating. It's annoying to me. And so she started making these things called uh, kale smoothies. I'm like, don't you dare say kale in my house ever again. Like, I, and this is before kale was popular, trendy, fun, you know, kale's fun, I guess, you know, and so, and so she's like, hey, I want you to have these kale smoothies. I'm like, no, like, I'm good. Like, seriously, I'm good. Like, I'm great. And so a couple, I don't know, months later, she lost 50 or 20 pounds. I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, something like that. And I'm just like, oh, was that? I probably wasn't. Oh, 15, 15. I, thanks for the clarification, babe. Thanks for the, this is why you're in the front row. So 15, or th- it's going to make sense at a moment, 15 or 20 pounds, 50, that's hilarious, um, and so I'm like, man, I don't want to be that husband, it's like, hey, go do it, babe, and I'm just, I'm slacking, right, so I'm like, you know what, I got to do this, kale it up, let's go, right, but here's the thing, when people say start small, I, I started really small, like, hey, kale smoothie, right, because I'm like, man, I'm, I'm Italian, I'm Mexican, so I'm like, dude, burritos and pizza, I'm good, <laughs> I'm still good on that, actually, so, so, hey, I'm going to have a smoothie for breakfast, a couple sips here and there, and then have a, some beef jerky for a snack, and then a burrito for lunch, and a pizza for dinner. I mean, honestly, I'm good, right? And I got to tell you, when I had that smoothie, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to die. It was horrible. And God is my witness, and Lord is my witness. Like a month later, I'm like, you know, these are it's all right. I, I can pal these things, right? I can do this, right? A couple months later, I'm like, dude, these kale smoothies, these are so good. I mean, I became a kale smoothie evangelist. Like, I just, I loved it. It was so good. No, seriously, it was so good. It was amazing. Somebody asked me after first service, what was in it? I'm like, it was kale. Like, I might have joking. Kale was in it. And what started happening was a year later, we both lost 50 and between 50 and 60 pounds. Like, it was cr- I'm not selling you anything right now. Don't, don't freak out. There's no infomercial happening. But I mean, the crazy part for me wasn't just the weight loss, which is, that was awesome. But I started realizing my, my desires, my appetite actually changed. Where it was like, man, at first I'm like, I just know, don't even say kale. But I was like, I, I'm, as God's my witness, right? Where it was like, I miss a couple of days of my smoothie. I'm like, babe, I need a smoothie. Let's go to Trader Joe's, let's get the kale, let's get the, like, let's get all that right. And I think what tends to happen is that if you've been eating junk food your whole life, but someone gives you like a prime rib steak. It's like, Ugh, I don't want that. And so often we can treat God's word that way. Well, I think a lot of times we, we question God's word before we question our appetite. So we're wondering, God, why aren't you giving my, me my desires? Why aren't you feeling my appetite? Where God's like, I don't want to give you your appetite. I'm going to actually change your appetite. And I'm going to have you crave the right things, godly things, things that, man, are just going to not just fill you, but satisfy you. So when Jesus is in the desert, the devil, I don't need your bread. I don't even need your stone because I, the scripture says this, People, Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't need no external fulfillment. I receive it through my Father. And I know these other things are going to come, but I have a test right now, and I'm going to pass that test. This is why 21 days of fasting and prayer is so vital for all of us. Is that, man, the, the goal, if you never fasted before, um, I get it. Um, fasting can seem crazy. And honestly, fasting, um, it's not a, a strictly Christian practice. I mean, it's practiced around the world. But here's why biblical fasts are completely different, though. Is that when we fast, we're not fasting to get God's approval. And we're not fasting to get God's attention. Fasting in prayer for us is, I want my heart. I want my attention to be on God. And, and it's like, let's take away a little bit of food. Let's take away a little bit of Instagram. Can I get a witness on it? Let's take a little bit away of, of a little bit of this so that I can, I, can, I can hurt a little bit. But the goal wasn't to hurt. The goal was to fix my eyes towards Jesus. And so join us on these 21 days, whether you fast or not, whether you pray or not. We've got a guide for you. God wants to change your desires. He wants to change my desires. I can't wait for it. It's going it's it's to hurt a little bit. But it's going to be glorious in the process of it. It's going to be so good. And so Jesus, he tells the devil, no, like, I don't live by bread alone. I live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word, word, it's the Greek word, remma. It's a beautiful word, remma. And it's in comparison to another Greek word called logos. Logos means the whole word. It's almost like if I had a physical Bible in my hands, that's the logos of God. But rema is a specific line, specific word that is living in the moment. It's like when Pastor Matt's preaching on a Sunday, or maybe you're hearing some preaching. It's like there's this one line that hits you. It just smacks you. You don't know if God hugged you or if he hits you or slapped you. It was like, whoa, it has got your attention, and you're like, man, is that preacher like in my shower? Is he listening? Like, how does he know this stuff? It's like, you no, know, I'm not in your shower. But the Holy Spirit knows you and spoke that Rema word to you. And so what, what, what Jesus was saying to the devil was that I don't live on bread alone, but I live on the Rema of God. I live on the timely words of God that whatever need I am, no matter what season I am, no matter where, what I face before me, God has a word for me. He's there. And so when I read the word of God, I'm not, I'm not just reading it for information. I'm reading it for transformation. And I know that sounds so cliche, but, but here our heart in that is that we, we believe in theology. We love theology. I mean, we want to equip your theology. But if we're just really for, for knowledge's sake, we're missing it. Great theology will touch the mind, will touch the heart, and will touch the spirit. And so we want all of that. And so, Rema, I love how the Word of God can transform us. Here, here are three ways, real quick. Is that the Word of God wants to bring life change. And how does it bring life change? The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Bouncing, we need to put ourselves under the authority of scripture. Because when we're led by our own desires and appetite, we get ourselves in trouble. But when we consume the word of God, it cuts through every attitude into the innermost thoughts and desires so that God can change us and transforms us. So like what Pastor Matt said during communion. Let's repent because repent isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing. It shifts our hearts and minds toward, toward, towards heaven. The word of God, the Rema word of God, it also brings success. Psalm 1 says, but they delight in the law of the Lord meditate on it day and night they're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do wouldn't that be great for our 2020 that we'd be planted that we would never wither we'd find success in all that we do and how do we find success we find it in the word of god we meditate day and night day and night i don't meditate yeah you do that thing you've been thinking about over and over and over again, you've been meditating on that. If you can worry about it, you can pray about it. And so when we think about the word of God, let's fix our mind on his word. Because his words, they bring success. And not just external success, but body, soul, and spirit success. The word of God, it gives us victory over temptation. Psalm 19 says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that... I may might not sin against you. We don't fight with our own strength. We don't fight temptation in, in, our own, in our own way. We have the word of God that informs us, but also equips us to overcome temptation. You're like, oh, I can't, I can't get over this. Fill yourself with the word of God. He has promises for your temptation. He has words for you to overcome. But we gotta, we gotta get in. You know. As I'm preaching this word, you might be wondering, gosh, like, I have a word, but I haven't seen it fulfilled. Or I don't even know what a Bible is, but there's things in me that I, I, I want and I need. I know God has for me, but they just feel unfulfilled. Because listen, just because you have a word doesn't mean it's going to be fulfilled today. So there's that struggle. It's like I'm so hungry, and, there's, and God has given me a word, promises, but it's not fulfilled yet. What do I do in that spot? And you're in good company. There's a man named Abram in the Bible where God had told him in Genesis chapter 15 the Abram, leave your family's household. Leave everything behind. And I will not only bless uh, you, but I will bless the whole world through you. And I will make your descendants more than the stars. I mean, if you can count the stars, Abraham, Abram, then you can count your descendants. So chapter after chapter year after year literally everything in abram's um, influence prospered but one thing he he hadn't had, he hadn't had his own child yet so god's like abram's like hey listen i know you love me you care about me but where's my kid where's my where's the the desire of my life being fulfilled so we're at this place in genesis chapter 17 or 18 i'm sorry where these three visitors came, but they weren't just visitors. They were angels. And so Abram's there, Sarah's there, and this is what it says. The guest said, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside this tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Continue. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also as old? Then, (laughs) keeps it real. This is going to be really, not impossible, but pretty hard. Um, the master, said to, the master said to Abraham, you guys have a sense of humor today. This is great. No, keep going. Move, move. I don't want them looking at that anymore. All right. The angel said, why did Sarah laugh? Why did you guys laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah had a son named Isaac. It's a great story. Get in it this year. But is anything too hard for the Lord? Is any, gosh. But you know what? But when you're in that moment where you have a word, but it's unfulfilled, it feels hard. So we're not saying ignore your feelings. We're not saying, like, just shut that down. No, it's a real thing. But is anything too hard for the Lord? I know for myself that sometimes when God gives me a word, God gives me a promise, I can become so focused on the promise that I can forget the promise keeper. I can become so focused on what I'm going to receive, but I forget that actually God wants to actually make me into somebody different at the same time. So God's word is more about who you're becoming than rather what you're receiving. If God's giving you a word for a promotion, don't just focus on, did you get the promotion? But man, what kind of man and woman of God am I becoming to add value, to bless, to be able to lift the hands of the people in my office? It's not just about what you're receiving, but it's about who you're becoming. If, if, if the promise in your heart is God, I know you're giving me that relationship. Don't just focus on, oh, I want them to have this, I want them to have that. I want them. No, like who is God forming you to be? You're wondering, man, when is my spouse going to get it together? Man, the Holy Spirit's like, man, how am I going to position you to be all that you can be as a spouse, to add value, to love, to care, to be all that you can be for your spouse? Don't just focus on what you're going to receive, but who God wants you to be, to become. God gives you these words, not just to receive, but to impart to somebody else. As we land this plane... Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to shift our minds and our hearts for 2020. I get it. There's resolutions, there's goals, there's things in our hearts. But what God wants us to do is to receive, man, what is my REMO word for this year? But also, who am I going to become because of that word? Because there are soul cravings inside of us. There are soul, like we're so hungry. But the question is, how are you going to get that fulfilled? And I would love, I would love to just give you this challenge, this encouragement. Man, do your 21 days of fasting and prayer with us. Let God change your desires. Let God change your mind. Let God do something inside of you that only he can do. And then when you walk away for those 21 days, you're not even going to think about what you left behind. Because all you're going to see is what God has for you and how much is better than what it was before.